are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, Thanksgiving week edition, my favorite Ooh. holiday of the year, turkey, football, sleeping, general laziness, all things I enjoy very, very much. I'm excited to talk football before we all sit down to our Thanksgiving dinners, wherever they are. I don't know about you, Rich Hill, but for some reason, even though the Patriots played last Thursday, they're on a mini buy, they're not taking massive time off. There's something about what transpired this past Sunday in the NFL that makes me feel like the Patriots played like six months ago, and I'm getting <laughs> back into it. I don't know what it is. It's weird. Yeah, well, I feel like there's just so many big stories from last Sunday that really pushed the Patriots' absolutely dominant performance, 25-0 against the Atlanta Falcons, really puts that in the rear view. Uh, and, and honestly, I feel like the narrative of, like, the Patriots are back has already gone through the entire news cycle of becoming a story and now being an old narrative, despite no other games being played. No, it's true. And as far as weeks go, it went almost perfectly in New England's favor. We were basically a last-second kind of miracle Ravens win. And if you want to get the Chiefs-Cowboys game in there, you can. But though, but basically, everything else went beautifully for the Patriots. The Colts beat the crap out of the Bills. The Texans somehow took out the Titans, Rich Hill. I have no <laughs> idea how that happened. The Dolphins and the Jets went down to the wire. Just a weird week overall. The Chargers lost. The Bengals beat the Raiders. Really couldn't have gone better for the Patriots. And it all happened while they were sitting at home enjoying themselves. Yeah, totally. There's nothing better than having your victory already in pocket so you can just watch all of these other games. And honestly, watching that Ravens game, uh, I have no problem with the Ravens winning that. I, I am at the point of, of my NFL fandom that if you have a backup quarterback and they have an opportunity to go out and win the game in the way that Tyler Huntley did for the Ravens, an absolutely preposterous scenario. Uh, for the, For those that weren't following... Andy Dalton threw a beautiful, beautiful touchdown pass to Marquise Goodwin, 49 yards with a minute 41 left. So Chicago could take a lead 13-9 in the fourth quarter. And so the the Ravens, they had Tyler Huntley. They had, you know, their backup quarterback, Lamar Jackson, is not feeling well. He is ill, but with some reason at the game, which in my mind is a ridiculous decision. Um, But what happened was uh, somehow... Just mind-bogglingly, after the the Bears scored that touchdown, Tyler Huntley led them all the way down the field to score a touchdown with 25 seconds left to take a a 16 to 13 lead. Um, if, if you're not rooting for Tyler Huntley in that scenario, uh, go go uh, go reevaluate your priorities. Because my goodness, it's so much fun to see someone who has no absolute chance throw a beautiful. Beautiful 29 pass to Sammy Watkins, of all people, to on third down uh, to, to give you a chance to win. And I, I was just a big fan of seeing that happen. You know what, Rich? I think things like that are really what I enjoy most about football. I think there are certain people that watch football in a certain way, and they really, really want every single game to translate perfectly onto an Excel spreadsheet because this is how it's supposed to go, and this is who's supposed to be better because the average DVOA against – the wind going three miles an hour and they get so in the weeds about these little numbers that they can't just enjoy kind of the wild human element of sports. And we're also at the point we're not quite at that last couple weeks of the season where those games really, really matter. And the Patriots haven't clinched anything yet. So before we start looking ahead to these first round buys, we're apparently 
right in the mix for now, courtesy <laughs> of week 11 in the NFL. I think it's important to keep our eyes on the prize, which first and foremost is generating wins and winning the AFC East, which is looking more and more doable by the minute, Rich Hill, because the Bills looked Oof. really bad against the Colts. And the Patriots, as bad as the Falcons are, they looked great against the Falcons in a road shutout on a short week. I don't care who you're playing. That's a huge accomplishment. Oh, totally. I mean, first off, uh, we'll break this down later in two weeks when the Patriots play their first game against the Bills. But the Colts, uh, they won because they were able to rack up 264 rushing yards against this Bills defense. And they played a strong enough defense that uh, Josh Allen wasn't able to throw the ball with any real success. He had one chunk play of 31 yards. Everything else was generally shorter. The, the Bills play exactly into the Patriots' style of football. So I'm excited to see how the Patriots, they don't necessarily have a Jonathan Taylor capable of going for 1,000 yards and five touchdowns, but they're pretty dang close. So very, very hopeful for what the Patriots can do there. But when they took care of business against this Falcons team, they did it in just a quietly efficient way, uh, which is how they've been doing everything during their, their win streak. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris combined for only, you know, 22 carries, but they racked up a hundred and what, 127 yards, 125 yards here. They, it's just exactly what you want out of your rushing game. You know, very solid production, every single down, keeping the offense on track. Mac Jones, super efficient other than the, the obvious, uh, commentator jinx right before he threw the interception of them being like, he's completing 90% of his passes. He's unstoppable. <laughs> he was keeping the trains on track ahead of schedule every single time, not relying on one player, distributing the ball. You had about eight people with, with eight touches uh, or eight targets. So uh, this was exactly how the Patriots wanted to play. They got the lead, which is exactly what they want. And then the defense did their job by pinning their ears back and generating the most pressure all year. Uh, so I'm very excited about what this meant for the Patriots team of playing exactly their type of football of how they want to play it. But Alec, where do you want to start with this game? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you look at the box score from this game, and there's really nothing that stands out. The longest play from scrimmage on either side was that 21-yard run from Stevenson. And no stat line really blows you away. I don't think it's a scenario where there's really one player who really stood out on the offensive side of the ball, at least. Mac Jones was, like you said, efficient. The interception wasn't a great throw, but it wasn't a horrible throw. I mean, it wasn't like the worst decision he's ever made. But 22 of 26 for 207 yards isn't exactly a, a world-beating score. So I think we start with the defense because, again, road shutout, totally dominant. Pass mm-hmm. which is getting home. Granted, now in the Falcons' defense, they had nobody. Their <laughs> two best players were out. Their best player on offense is a rookie, Kyle Duggar pretty much marked him out of the game. There really isn't much you can say in terms of the, the quality of talent on the side of the ball, but three catches for 29 yards for Kyle Pitts is a really good stat line. And I think their best receiver was gauge. Who's like their third or fourth option. He had five for like 49 or 50 yards. So we should probably start with the defense, just how dominant performance that was. Yeah, totally. And, and I think starting with how they stopped Pitts, who, as we've talked about in our preview, was the entire offense for the Falcons due to all of their injuries and absences. Uh, Kyle Duggar having a coming out party. I, I know that the Patriots use J.C. Jackson in coverage of Pitts a few times as well, just simply because uh, why not? If you have your all pro caliber defensive back, let them cover the best player on the other team's offense. Sure, go for it. But I, I want to really emphasize Duggar, who over the past few weeks has made stride after stride after stride. And I find myself, Alec, like in recent weeks, 
I, I want to say starting with that Chargers game. Starting with that Chargers game, maybe with that Jets game. But I feel like each successive week, I'm coming out being like, man, that was Duggar's best game of his career. He's yeah. really taking the leap. And then the next game, I'm like, oh, he was even better this week. Oh, he's even better this week. And he's just such an ascending player that's so much fun to watch. Uh, that, I honestly, the, the way that he's taking that leap right now in his second season is truly, just truly a lot of fun to see. No, it is. And I think a big reason for that is because a lot of times when you have a player who's drafted, as the Patriots did, primarily on his athletic ability. You know, he's a D2 standout. He was such a caliber of athlete above anything else he saw in D2 that he didn't quite have the competition in college. So the big risk factor with Duggar was he's got the athletic skills. He's a total freak of nature. Can he learn the system? Is he smart enough to get the football intelligence up? Because he's already got the the, the, the tangibles, the just the, the freak athletic strength. And the answer is yes. He's a sponge. He's learning. And it's what you want to see each and every week. He's getting better because I think he's just learning more and understanding more about the game. It's that classic second-year leap. And it bodes very, very well because even though he had a pick and he's playing well, I'm not saying he's a, a liability at all. Uh, I would not be surprised, Richard. This is going to be Devin McCourty's last season as a Patriot. Maybe he'll retire at the end of the year. So to having somebody of Douglas caliber, I don't know if they're really the same player because he's really more that in-the-box safety. But uh, knowing that there is a kind of second generation of Patriots safeties coming up and getting better each and every week really opens up the entire defense because the, the, the confidence level they're showing in Duggar to mark out the, the Falcons' best player, not to worry about planning and scheming around him. Uh, and he's really using Duggar as kind of like an in-the-box thumper. Uh, it really allows to open the playbook up. And it showed in the front of the, of the line because – Matt Ryan was sacked, what, four times? And, and pressured on half of his dropbacks? He had a really, really rough day out there. Poor Matt Ryan. Feel bad for him. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's one of those things where uh, the Falcons, uh, I don't want to say they've necessarily failed him with the talent that they surrounded because they've had injuries and other things like that. And, like, you know, they weren't expecting Calvin Ridley to not be available, and that really changes their entire offense. But, my gosh, it was hard to see Ryan out there with nobody. It was a ghost town of support. It was one of those, like – last man on the hill sort of situations and you have people like matt judon teeing up on him and you're just like oh man matt ryan like the falcons should have waved the flag earlier there is no point in just continuing to trot him out there to no avail uh because like as you said the patriots were outstanding in their defensive front judon was great i want to emphasize kyle van noy well, I think, you know, he had his pick six there, which was just a joy to watch. I honestly, you know, garbage time can sometimes drag out forever. Uh, teams, if you have garbage time, this is the way to do it. Uh, the, the Falcons <laughs> finished all four of their fourth quarter drives with interceptions, uh, capped off with that pick six from Kyle Van Noy. Uh, my, it was just a lot of fun to watch. Kyle Van Noy has been playing, honestly, some of his best football we've ever seen. Uh, he was clearly getting over an injury earlier this season. He had a throat injury and I believe also a knee injury. Um, and so he seems to be back in peak form, where which is where he was in 2019 when he left the Patriots, except that New England's using him in a different way. And I, I'm like very excited to see this uh, because back in 2019, they were using him as an end in their bare front. And so he was doing a lot lot of pass rushing a lot um and that's where he was playing his best and this year they're dropping him off into coverage and having him play off ball a lot more than they were which is different but also like 
it's really working for him. And I, I think this is making him such a well-rounded player and a great player to line up opposite of Judon because these two players can stay on the edge and do pretty much anything. They can go rush the quarterback. They can shift into an odd front or an even front based off of what they need. And Van Noy is kind of key to that. Um, but also Van Noy's ability to generate pressure if he needs to forces teams to respect him and not give him any sort of leeway, uh, which opens up a lot of things for Judon on the opposite side. And I think you saw that a lot of times with this Falcons offense, which really struggled to you know contain this Patriots defensive front uh, with Van Noy leading the way with a pair of tackles for loss, pick six, quarterback hits, couple sacks, uh, and led the team with eight tackles. I'll tell you, Rich, I read about this in my article, and I don't think it's an exaggeration. That may have been the single most exciting final two minutes of a blowout game in NFL history in terms <laughs> of just like usually the two, last two minutes of the game's over, and you run it a couple times, and maybe the team tries to save some face by getting like a last-minute garbage time score. There's, there were sacks. There were pick sixes. There were two interceptions. It was just a wild last two minutes. If you went to bed, you missed out, which I never thought I'd hear you say. But, yeah, man, it's weird. It's always funny to see how these players leave the Patriots – get a big contract somewhere else, don't quite live up to expectations or don't play as well as they did in New England under Belichick, and they come back and they light it up again. And Kyle Van Noy is yet another great example of that. Looking forward to Trey Flowers coming back in a year or two. And he'll be a <laughs> dominant interior rusher. I will say, though, I mean, again, I don't want to discredit the Patriots defense because, again, you're playing professional athletes. You're on the road. It's a short week, and the shutout's a shutout. But as we mentioned, Falcons – just not good offensively. Matt Ryan was throwing to nobody. Good for him for sticking them there as long as he did. And I do feel as well that it's easier to instill a defensive game plan in a short week than it's an offensive game plan in a short week because defense is more reacting to what the offense is going to throw at them. You've got different looks you can give them. You know what the offense does for the most part, and you can you can eject a little more. Versus offense, you're kind of installing a whole new game plan week in and week out, which might explain why the Patriots are so efficient on offense and not – mind-blowing, but also, Richard, they didn't really need to be. They were running the ball really well. I don't remember the last time they ran for less than 100 yards rushing. It's crazy to think that against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week four, they ran for negative four yards. I don't know how that's even possible. <laughs> but everybody more or less had like four or five catches for 40 yards. I feel like that was kind of what they did on the receiving game. And Mac Jones once again distributed it to how many receivers now, including running backs, 10. Nikhil Harry caught two passes again, so maybe he's on the rise. Uh, there's really nobody that stood out to me on offense, but there's nobody that, that that didn't stand out. I think that's the perfect thing you need for a Thursday night game like this. Yeah, totally. Like You're not going to break out anything new to win a Thursday night game just because there's not enough time to install that into the game plan. Uh, and, I mean, obviously you would like the Patriots to score a little bit more. They settled it for two field goals inside the red zone uh, and then two more between the 20- to 40-yard line. Those drives that end inside the red zone you you would like to end with a touchdown right i mean they, they had three red zone drives got only one touchdown out of it that's pretty poor efficiency um but honestly not going to look that gift horse in the mouth this is always going to be more challenging product on a thursday night uh and, and honestly the the patriots did a great job they punted i believe four times um but they really found their groove uh, one of those punts was on the atlanta side of the field after the, the on the opening drive which like you hate to see um but you, you wish that the patriots would be able to go for it um but honestly the scenario might not have dictated for it and i i think i'm with you completely that the way that the patriots have balanced their offense with their top three receivers in born Aguilar, and myers averaging five targets a piece 
You have Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith combining for five targets. You have your running backs combining for four targets, um, but, you know, they didn't really need to. That was the exact distribution that you want. You want to have balance across all of your different positions because that means that the opposing team can't key in on one player in particular and say, we're going to remove that offense, which is something that we saw from the Patriots in 2019 when Julian Edelman was the entire offense. And you saw it in 2020 when Jacoby Myers was the entire offense. And so when you're able to distribute the ball as well as they have, then it's okay. I mean, a five for 50 is like the exact stat line you'd want. Uh, And if you can get four people to that stat line, or at least, you know, if you're combining the tight ends into one player, as like we've been doing this year, uh, then you're going to be in a very good spot if you're also able to run the ball well to have those long, efficient drives where when Mac Jones is completing 85% of your passes, you're going to have some good things. Obviously, you'd want to get a little bit more in the red zone, but as I said, I'm not going to complain about it. Neither am I, Rich Hill. I think, again, the two big things you want to get on a Thursday night game, first and foremost, is no injuries, which the Patriots walked away unscathed, which is huge. And second, you want to try and get the win. And they got both of those things. It's tough to really delve too deep into this game because there just isn't time to really just make a hedge or tails of it from a preparation standpoint. So the defense looked great. The offense looked efficient. And again, I'm always amazed by how well Mac Jones is distributing the ball. I don't know how common it is for a rookie to hit as many receivers as he does. But usually rookies, they zero in on one target. They have their favorite. They try and force plays. They don't see safeties coming in or they don't read the linebacker effectively. And he's doing all of that. It may not be the most exciting football in the world in terms of these long bomb throws, but I could not care less about that. I want to see the Patriots move the ball well, and I want to see them score touchdowns. And I agree with you. they got to score more touchdowns. This game could have been 45 to nothing based on how the Patriots played. I don't think the Falcons even sniffed the second half of the the Patriots' half of the football field at at most of this game. So the Patriots were totally in control from the get-go, but they are scoring three when they should be scoring seven, and and that could be a problem down the road, especially given the stretch coming up, Rich. we got the Titans coming up this Sunday. We got the Colts, and we got the Bills twice. That's a really tricky four-game stretch with the bye week stuck in there in the middle. Uh, So I think we'll know a lot more about this team once December rolls around and the last half of the season, the last quarter of the season kind of really gets underway. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so uh, with that, Alec, do you have any final thoughts on the Week 11 matchup, or should we take a break and start breaking down the Titans when we return? Yeah, let's do this. Let's take a break. Good win for the Patriots. Again, everyone's healthy, but um, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on the Titans game, especially in the wake of that Texans game. So we'll take a quick break and come right back and break down week 12 in the NFL. All right, we are back. Rich, week 11, as we mentioned, saw a lot of games going to England's way. The Chargers beat the Steelers. Most importantly, though, the Bills lost to the Colts and the Texans somehow beat the Titans. We'll talk about the Bills and the Colts in later podcasts as they are both on the schedule, the Bills two times. But most importantly are what was once the best team in the AFC running away in the Tennessee Titans have been decimated by injuries. They've lost their best running back. They've lost their best receiver. They seem completely stalled out and arguably the worst or second worst team in the entire NFL beat them 22 to 13, the game that actually wasn't even that close. What happened to the Titans or if you want to go around the league first, we can do that. But I'm really curious to hear what you're thinking about with this Tennessee team because they were 
they were the team to beat for so long in the AFC. It was the Bills, Titans, Bills, Titans, and both teams have really fallen off. And here come the Patriots coming to town on a five-game winning streak, and I'm not quite sure what to make out of it. Totally. And, uh, you know, let's keep people on the edge of their seats and break that down in a little bit. Let's go around the league first, because I, I think right. that week 12, uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy early Thanksgiving. Uh, fantastic slate of games this week. Uh, first off, leading with the three and seven Bears against the uh, 9 and one Detroit Lions. What a way to kick <laughs> off the week! Um, but no, I, I mean seriously though, th- this week has a lot of really good matchups. You have uh, on Thanksgiving night, uh, you have the six and four Bills on the road against the five and five Saints. So Patriots fans will absolutely want to watch. Um, but across the board, it's a lot of really well matched teams. You have the five four and one Steelers against the six and four Bengals on Sunday. Uh, even the two and eight Jets and Texans are fair, squaring off. The the seven and three Bucks uh, are on the road against the six and five Colts. The four and six Falcons on the road against the two and eight Jaguars. The five and six Panthers and the four and nine Dol- uh, four and seven Dolphins. Then uh, moving into the afternoon slate, you got the six and four Chargers on the road against the five and five Broncos. The seven and three Rams on the road against the eight and three Packers, which should be a great afternoon game on Sunday. Uh, the Sunday night game of the six and five Browns on the road against the seven and three Ravens, which would have huge implications for the Patriots. This is just a really strong slate of games, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see how they all play out uh, be, because, honestly, that this could be one of those weeks where the Patriots could take a, a big, strong hold atop the AFC. Absolutely, Rich. If the Bills fall to the Saints, they are on the road at, Buff, uh, at New Orleans Excuse me, Thanksgiving night. So that's very, very possible, especially the way they played against the Colts. If the Ravens lose to the Browns, which is also very possible. Lamar Jackson will probably be back, but the Ravens aren't the team that's that's really terrifying anybody. If both of those things happen, and the Patriots are able to take care of business at home against a reeling Titans team, correct me if I'm wrong, buddy, but they will sit come into Week 13 number one seed in the AFC, correct? Yeah, totally. They just need two things to happen. They just need the Ravens to lose, and they need to take care of business against the Titans. And if they do that, the Patriots will be in the catbird seat, uh, and then they would have strong opportunities to further distance themselves with games against uh, the Bills. Then they have their bye, thankfully, and then two more games against the, the Colts and the Bills. Um, and if they can come out of this next four-game stretch, 4-0, four they absolutely should be the number one seed. They very well should. And another big game to watch, I think, honestly, is the Buccaneers-Colts game. I'm very excited for that game coming up. I feel like the Buccaneers are a very up-and-down team. They were able to get business with the Giants, but they lost to the Washington football team somehow. As we saw, the Colts just ran down the Bills' throat. The Buccaneers' defense, Rich, it isn't what it used to be. It's not quite as dominant as it was in 2020. But again, it is end of November. It is coming into December. This is when Tom Brady and his teams play the best football. So again, a lot of really fun football to watch here. I'm really excited for this slate of games. I'm hopefully find a sports bar somewhere with all the games playing. Go old school with it. But first and foremost, of course, all of that is meaningless unless the Patriots are able to take care of business against the Titans. Now, this was a game I had slated in for a loss all the way back when the schedule first came out. Titans looked great. Solidified that with the first four weeks. Titans looked great again. Patriots were reeling. You figured they'd have a loss to the Titans here somewhere along the line. I'm starting to seriously rethink that, Rich Hill, because based on the Titans played against the Texans, it's very difficult to pick them to win this game. What went wrong for Tennessee that caused them to drop so so embarrassingly to a division rival? 
Yeah, I mean, they, they've been dealing with a lot of issues and injuries. I think one of the stats that came out is that the Titans have used more players this year than any other team in NFL history, uh, and we're only 11 weeks into the season. <laughs> that's the that's the level of injury that they're up against, which is awful. You hate to see it when especially you're looking at players like Derrick Henry and Julio Jones that are missing times due to that injury, but their offensive line has been a rotation. Their defense has also been a, a rotation. The number of defenders that have played like 11 games is like six. <laughs> like everyone has missed some time uh, on, on their defense. And, and I think that's par- part of their challenge is just like it's remember the 2015 Patriots when they were like trotting out Steven Jackson in the final two weeks of the season. That's effectively what's happening to the Titans already at this point. You know, they've lost Eric Henry. They've already signed and released Adrian Peterson. Uh, their top backup running back, Jeremy McNichols, suffered a concussion and missed last week. So when you look up and down their roster uh, at their, let's just say, their four top yards producers, you have Derrick Henry, who is out for the rest of the regular season. You have A.J. Brown, who was injured at the start of the game with a hand injury and also suffered a chest injury. You have Julio Jones who's out on the IR. Then you have Jeremy McNichols, who missed last game with that concussion. And then, oh, their next top player heading into that game was Nick Westbrook-Ekheim and Chester Rogers, both who had, I believe, fewer than 200 yards on the year. So they are scraping the bottom of the barrel as it relates to their depth chart. And uh, honestly, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to blame them for, for falling apart here. Uh, you would hate, it's sad that it happened against a team like the Texans. You know, obviously they would have liked to, to win that game. Uh, but Ryan Tanhill threw four interceptions, five turnovers. Uh, they lost the turnover battle 5-0. So even if the Texans didn't do much on offense, uh, they only got 190 yards. It was more than enough based off of the scenario of the game. So let's do that, Rich. Let's talk about the Patriots' defense going against this, this banged-up Titans offense, missing their best two weapons. No Derek Henry, no Julio Jones. Are you more concerned about losing through the air or on the ground? Is your focus going to be on stopping the run? Or I do think the Patriots' cornerbacks match up very well against the Titans' receivers. So I feel like this is really more you can put more guys in the box, trust the hat on the hat, force Tannehill to throw it, and then try to get the ball back being optimistic with turnovers. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think that this is a Titans team that, like, has their identity, and, like, they will throw the ball. Um, you know, honestly, they were down, so obviously they had to throw a little bit more than they would have liked. Um, but, like, with all of their turnover at running back, they don't have a lot of confidence in that position. I think it's very apparent. Uh, and so they wanted to pivot their identity to just go through A.J. Brown, which would, like, work in a normal year. It's just that he's suffering from injuries right now. And so... With A.J. Brown banged up, with Julio Jones hurt, I honestly don't know how the Titans are going to approach this game. Uh, And honestly, it will come down to A.J. Brown's health. Like, will he be healthy enough with his hand injury to be the focal point of this Titans offense come Sunday? If not, then they have to become a run-first team because they don't really have anyone else, right? Like, Nick Westbrook-Ikhine is, like, fine. He had 100 yards, but he's an undrafted second-year player. Uh, Chester Rogers, and then you have a couple of tight ends and Anthony Ferkser and Jeff Swain. Uh, like this is not a an offense that is going to blow up the the scoreboard anymore. Uh, once they lost Derrick Henry, that disappeared, and they are trending exactly as you would have expected, going from 34 points in overtime against the Colts to 28 against the Rams, 23 against the Saints, and 13 against the Texans. This is not a game against a Patriots defense where this Titans offense will get off the schneid. 
And I think if I am Steve Belichick, if I am Gerard Mayo, I'm saying, J.C. Jackson, you are covering A.J. Brown. We'll even give you a little bit of help here. But honestly, the way that the Patriots were able to erase Kyle Pitts and the Falcons last week gives me a lot of hope that the Patriots can still stop the run game super effectively with Devon Godshaw up the middle, uh, but have enough talent in the secondary to erase A.J. Brown with bracket coverage with multiple people because they don't have the the depth chart at wide receiver to take over this game. Yeah, I see J.C. Jackson with a little bit of help. You might not even need all the help, depending on Brown's injury status. J.C. Jackson with some help on A.J. Brown. And where do you really go there if you're Ryan Tannehill? Uh, to that degree, Rich, let me ask you this. If the Titans are going to win this game, I don't know what the betting line is. I don't know if it's any kind of even pick or the Titans are favored or whatnot. But if the Titans are going to win this game, how are they going to do it? Is it going to be the Patriots are going to just make some mistakes? Or is there a, a way through the Patriots stifling defense right now that you see out for them? Yeah, I mean, I, I the way that they would do it is if there's a few like a few breakout plays, right? You you look at what uh, Nick Westbrook at kind did. He had eight targets for 107 yards. One of them, I believe, went for like uh, 46 yards or something like that. They're gonna if they win, it's gonna be some breakdowns in the Patriots coverage and a bunch of really chunk plays. And I, I think that the Patriots can't afford that to happen. They're also a team that is built to not allow that to happen. And so uh, there is a chance that Ryan Tannehill might dink and dunk his way down the field uh, because that is likely what the Patriots will give them. Um, But I expect the Patriots to be built to stop the run and to force Tannehill to win the game. And I don't think that there's the receiving talent to allow them to do that. So the victory for the Titans special teams if they're able to get a score or get some uh you know blocks and maybe even on defense for some turnovers from mac jones that's the only way that they're going to win is if they get points outside of the scope of their offense that's actually why rich my defensive x factor for this time it's going to be devin mccourty because i think they're going to try and take some deep shots they're going to try and go for some home runs so i agree the dink and dunk's going to be with the patriots give them maybe they even let them, maybe they go the opposite way my suggestion that they let them run it and make it too tempting and then just try and try and keep everything front of them i think they'll have to take the deep shots at some point if something's not working it seems the patriots are very good at giving up a significant drive early figuring out exactly what they're going for and then fixing it almost immediately that's been kind of their mo over the past couple of weeks so i can see the titans not having some success on the ground having some frustrations and taking some deep shots i don't know who to to be honest with you maybe some <laughs> deep shots but i think democrat and patrolling that, that that middle third or latter third of the, of the football gets uh the football field gets his, his second interception of the season yeah totally i agree i mean i i think that the patriots will be in a position to force some turnovers i, I think you look at the titans offense they have three games where they didn't turn the ball over on offense they've had multiple multi-turnover games uh, so I like that pick for Devin McCourty. I'm going to go with the defensive front. Uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, Kyle Van Noy. I know I sung his uh, praises in the beginning half. I think if you can have an encore performance, that means that the rest of the defensive front is doing their job, and that means that the Patriots are going to be dominating. And so if Kyle Van Noy is able to you know, force pressure, uh, do well against the pass, because I think Jeremy McNichols, if he's cleared from his concussion and is able to play, he's often relied as a receiving back. Uh, I, I think that that's where the Titans might be super reliant on offenses with all of their checkdowns. And if Kyle Van Noy can take that away and make it uncomfortable, then I think that they'll be in a position to win. Like it, Rich Hill. Let's switch sides. Patriots offense versus uh, Titans defense. Patriots, as we've seen each and every week, very efficient. They run the ball very well, 120 yards rushing the past couple of weeks at least. 
Damien Harris and Rahondre Stevens are both healthy. Brandon Bolden is a revelation out of the backfield. I keep thinking what a season James White would be having if he wasn't on IR right now. Titans defensive front is pretty solid. Their secondary is decent. I think if the Titans are going to win this game, they're going to keep it low scoring, which it very well might be, especially if there's a dink and dunk on both sides, a lot of long possessions for both offense. But if you are Josh McDaniels dialing up an offensive game plan against this Titans defense, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, if I am uh, the Patriots, I'm saying who are the best players on this Titans defense and how can I avoid them? They have an all-pro safety in Kevin Byard, who is great. He does everything for them. He is the heart of that secondary. Uh, and then they have a really strong defensive line with Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, Simmons is a beast of an interior defensive tackle. He, I believe, is one of the top couple of defensive tackles in the league as it relates to generating pressure. Uh, and then Harold Landry has 10 sacks on the outside, uh, 19 quarterback quarterback hits. He often lines up opposite of Denico Autry, who has 14 hits as well and five sacks. So it is a relatively strong defensive front. Uh, where the Patriots can really take advantage is the fact that this Titans linebacker core is super banged up. Uh, David Long, out. Jayon Brown, out. Uh, Rashawn Evans out, Monty Rice out. Like these are these are players that have been in and out of the lineup. Uh, we have no idea necessarily who will be ready and able to play for this Titans defense at that second level. And so, to your point of who is going to be uh, stopping this Patriots front, uh, I, I think that the Patriots offensive line can definitely do their job. And then you're going to have Jayon Brown and Monty Bryce. Uh, Monty Rice at that second level where I personally think that you'll have a lot of opportunity for Brandon Bolden and also my X-Factor Ramondre Stevenson uh, able to kind of juke them in the open field and use his bigger body to just roll over them because the way that the Patriots want to win this game likely is to dominate them. I want them to stay away from uh, Harold, uh, for, sorry, I'll keep away from Kevin Byard at that second level. I think Amani Hooper, uh, sorry, Amani Hooker is, is a turnover waiting to happen happen uh so i want them to stay away from him as well uh because I, I actually really liked him coming out of iowa and so if the patriots can keep away from those second level players really pick apart that linebacker core uh i, I think that you know whether it's Ramondre stevenson also a big game potentially from hunter henry i think that the patriots have a good opportunity to march down the field at will should your x factor do what you just predicted rich hill it'll allow my x factor to have a big day because we've seen it kind of happen this season and in past seasons where former players of a certain team have a big day against that team. Adrian Phillips had a pick six against the Chargers, and I think Johnu Smith is going to have a big day against the Titans. Sometimes they draw the plays up so they can stick to their old team. Sometimes players get up for it. They want to say that uh, you shouldn't have let me go, should have paid me more, whatever the case may be. We're all still kind of waiting for John e. Smith's breakout game. I feel like I made it my X-Factor a couple times thinking this is the one. But, yeah, I mean, if the safeties are as good as they are, which you're right, they are that good, this is a great day for tight ends, those little middle zones. I think John e. Smith is more athletic than any of the Titans linebackers. He is a coverage in this match. We're still kind of figuring out what role he brings to the offense. They haven't gotten too creative with him yet because they haven't needed to, so I'm okay with it. But John e. Smith is primed for Sunday because, again, he's a former Titan. It just makes sense. 
And hopefully this is the game where you get to the end zone a couple times. Totally. I'd love to see it. Um, definitely want to break the down of victory with you after Sunday. I just think that this is a very favorable matchup for a Patriots team against a Titans team that's just super banged up. Uh, great opportunity for New England to really take a hold of the AFC and continue with their strong play. Uh, Alec, I think it's time for predictions. Yes, it is. Let's see here. All right. So you had a 34-17 victory. I had a... 24 to 13 victory so i guess it's a bigger point spread for you game was way less close than we both thought it was going to be but that's all right <laughs> you are up here buddy you get the hammer patriots hosting the titans one o'clock what do you got yeah i mean i think that the patriots are going to continue their strong level of play uh they're currently sixth in the league in, in points four uh but they also i think this is more to note lead the league in number of offensive drives that lead in scores. They just have so many field goals. They need to come away with more. I believe that this will be the game that they do that. They'll have all of their really strong drives that have historically ended in field goals. I think they're going to break out uh, and turn them into actual touchdowns. On the other side, you have the Patriots that rank number one in the league in points allowed per drive, points allowed per game, points allowed. Uh, this is the best defense in the league, uh, and they are facing a Titans offense that is just absolutely hapless. And so I'm going with the Patriots winning this one in a potentially big way, 34-7. Uh, to seven. Whoa! Holy shnikes. Rich Hill, that is a blowout in the half. So Rich has the Patriots 34-7. to seven. Yikes. Okay, I will gladly take that score. I am all sticking to the Patriots. I don't think it's going to be that lopsided, unfortunately. I think the Patriots are just too efficient. They're rolling right now. The only concern I might have is coming off that mini bye week and Thanksgiving, they might just be a little off kilter. Sometimes that happens. Teams, uh, they get out of their routine. And Tennessee, I think they really need this game to prove to the rest of the AFC they're still contenders after that pretty embarrassing loss. But I think Tennessee's playing with more urgency than New England is because they know that that one seed is very important and they're not going to be able to hold on to it if they don't keep winning. But the talent level is just no longer there for Tennessee due to the injuries. The Patriots take this one in a much lower scoring affair than I have. I have 20 to 13 New England. All right. Well, I'm very excited to see how this happens. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week 12 of the NFL season? Looking forward to it. Happy Thanksgiving, my good buddy, Rich Hill. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there in Patriots Nation. Eat up, drink up, sleep up, and let's come back with Patriots win. All right. And until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Later.